Welcome to the Sales Mindset Podcast. My name is Dennis DePasquale, Dr. Dennis D. My name is Sam Hendrickson. I'm Brian Gurgis. All right, and so for today we're going to talk about some effective strategies for objection handling. Mm. Run. 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 No. Um, so, I know this is not new for you guys, but my biggest advice has always been to be excited about objections. Mm-hmm. In some respects, if you're getting objections chances are they're still interested in making a purchase. Yeah. So the 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 objection handling framework that that I teach both in the sales training course and in class is based off of vector marketing crew. And that for the audience that might might not be aware of that name is the Cutco Knives company. And so the thing is is it's it's not really proprietary. I've seen the the models that they used using different words in different areas. Mm-hmm. So the first part is to at least listen. And experienced salespeople might have problems with this because if they hear an objection that they've heard before, they might interrupt it and be like, "Oh, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, it's okay." Yeah. Blah 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 blah. Uh, which, of course, devalues the customer. The customer is going to feel like they were talked over, like they're not important, could be considered condescending. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next is to just acknowledge it. And it's just take a second and be like, okay, so this is something that bothers you. And you're restating it, which gives you a chance to actually think about whatever your next question is going to be. Because you don't want to be thinking about your question while they're stating the actual objection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And so now you just go into a discovery. You just go into explore what the objection is, why it's there, where it's coming from. But you've got to practice empathy and not compassion. A lot of people can fuse empathy and compassion. But you've got to practice empathy in wanting to understand where the customer is coming from with that particular objection. So if we're talking price objection, price objection is one of the more common ones. You want to look and understand as to why they don't think your product is worth whatever it is that you happen to be selling it for. So what you should think about is objections are about you. There's something that you did not do to underscore whatever is causing that particular objection. So you want to explore where that objection is coming from so that you can properly respond to it. And of course, that's the that last part. So the Carew method is L-A-E-R, um, and I add a little confirmation at the end. So mm-hmm. is have I handled your objection? The other thing is to pull objections out. So when it comes to having conversations and actively listening, you're looking for these hesitations. You're listening for tone. You know, the words we say is only about 7% of what we're trying to communicate. Yeah. And the rest is tonality and body language. Think about it like this. If someone's angry and they said, I don't like you, that doesn't communicate anger, right? Mm-hmm. But if someone came out and was like, I don't like you, like that is obvious anger. And you need the tone and you need the body language to communicate that. So as you're actively listening in your conversations, and again, we're going back to listen, you need to listen for those hesitations and say, look, you know, I just presented this. You don't seem really excited about it. Is there something that you don't like about this product? Some people might, out of politeness, feel that they don't want to bring any of that stuff up. So what it really comes down to, all of that is to say, is that you want to make it about the customer. 
and you want to make sure that the customer is 100% bought into it. So if they're not sounding at least somewhat excited about the, the product, about the purchase, about what that product is going to do for them, then you want to make sure that you're getting to that root of it. And really, you want to understand where the customer is coming from. It is not about you. It is about them. Yeah. Um, and I mean, how many, I mean, people who don't have experience in sales might have a different idea of what it would look like, but I'm, I mean, you're going to be dealing with objections almost every time you're making a sale. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're not, you're probably not going to get a sale because that person's probably just not interested. Mm-hmm. They fully prob- checked out. Yeah, exactly. They're just waiting for a moment to either hang up on you if you're on a call or, you know, just leave the meeting. Mm-hmm. So, and if you're not getting those objections where they're not stating them, like you said, you've really got to be looking at, okay, either they are checked out or I've got to try to pull these objections out of them. Uh, I mean, probably as quickly as possible. Yeah, sooner the better. Yeah. And... But I mean, whenever someone is actually talking and stating their objections, you should pretty much be pretty excited about it, you know, and if you're nervous about dealing with it, you know, that's obviously something you're not going to be excited about, but like we said, with practice, you get better and you'll, you know, those objections do show, hey, I'm ready to buy, but this is one thing, you know, here's this that's holding me back, okay? You know, you just, uh, I'm going to uh, say I'm an archer. Okay, you just gave me a target. If I can hit that target, all right. Uh, you got, that's one down. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Anything else? Another one? Okay. Now do I have your sale? <laughs> yeah, lob it up. The the way the way that you say they're like almost like a trial close or a trial sale. So something like almost an exact phrase that I said almost every tour when I was a leasing agent, like leasing apartments out. This would, this probably wouldn't be, it's like a very direct for a more complicated sale, unless you're just getting no objections at all from them. But I would always say near the end of a tour, if I felt like there was something missing or they weren't saying something or it's wrapping up, I would say, is there anything stopping you from moving forward today? Mm. Like specifically putting a timeline on it as well. Is there anything stopping you today? That way, like it pulls the immediacy up to the surface. Like, oh shoot, you're asking me to make a decision right now. I'm actually really worried about the price of this, or I'm worried about mm-hmm. this, I'm worried about that. So something you said, uh, if there's no objections, there's no objections, you're not selling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You're just taking an order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So y- you want to be careful. Obviously, you want you want to sell more if there's a possibility. Now, apartment leasing's probably a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Someone may have done their homework beforehand yeah. and know what they want. It's a very but, short-term cycle, too. Right. So, And even for your sales training, if, if someone's all bought into it, let me know so I can raise my prices. <laughs> I'm only half kidding. Uh, but there's a, there's a book out there that I think it's... I don't remember the name of the book offhand, but it's basically Start With No or... No, Start With No is a negotiation. Uh, go for No, I think. And it's basically mm-hmm. sell, sell, sell until you get that No and then you've reached the, the boundary of it. Yeah. Uh, now, I don't believe completely in that because sometimes you can oversell something and you can have someone buy more than what they need. But at the same time, if you're not getting objections, is it because they're just pushing you through and they're going to ghost you eventually? Or is it because you could have sold them a little bit more or maybe they need a little bit more mm-hmm. so that's just a thought there that I had on that yeah um, the other thing I wanted to mention is the three sales approach that I that I often use you know what are they ab- actually objecting to are they objecting to your company are they objecting to the product or are they objecting to you and that last one is a tricky one for a lot of people 
know, as a salesperson, you want to make sure that they don't have any objections to you, which can be hard if they have objections which are not rooted in rational thoughts. Yeah. You guys remember I did that to you in class where, you know, in the one sales simulation, it's like, I don't like how you're dressed. I don't, you look too young like you're going to be able to handle yeah, the business. Yeah. So when you start to, to trificate, I don't know if that's the right word. Bifurcate's a word, but I don't know if trificate is. Um, but split it up and say, what are they actually objecting to and how can I handle that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 That objection threw me off a lot. I got the one like, oh, uh, you know, like, I mean, and these are sales simulations and the guys said, oh, how old are you? And so I, I was with my partner and I just made up our ages on the spot. I was like, oh, I'm 24, he's 25, whatever. Like, we're, we're younger. And then he's just like, oh, that's way too young. I was like, oh. I just, like, I just, <laughs> no, I, was like, for that. I was like, oh, was I supposed to say something else? Like, yeah, yeah. And then you, we responded to it pretty well, but like, yeah, that was a, that was a different circumstance. And yeah, you, those uh, objections, like, more personable. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely got to get to the root cause. So then it was like, sorry, I asked questions like, okay, well, you know what's the issue uh with age there and then you know in the simulation he's obviously like oh well you know i don't think you have much experience and like expertise in in this area mm-hmm. and i don't know you can't take it personally and then just figure out what the actual issues are because then it might not even apply mm-hmm. to yourself maybe it does and you can find a different solution to it uh like i don't know what that would be it would apply to the, that yeah. certain situation yeah. on yeah, I was going to say, people will object to immutable things. Your mm-hmm. age, baldness, shortness, and they may not articulate it. Yeah. You know, there are still racists out there that are going to object because someone's black. There are still yeah. sexists out there that will object because someone's a woman. These days, apparently, there will be people who object because you're a white male. So how do you handle those objections and how do you navigate those objections yeah. is usually the trick. But most people are inherently selfish you know, they care about their money. And the idea here is when you're selling them something, you should be saving them some money or some headache or something like that. So yeah. if you can make it about them, you can get that focus off of you if, if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually kind of reminds me of kind of like two concepts that I think about sometimes mm-hmm. where I think the most frequent objection I've ever received is it's too expensive or yeah. it's out of my price range or it's out of my budget. Mm-hmm. And I have an associated expression that's price is almost never a true objection. It's they don't see the value right. for the price. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'll always say it's too expensive or I can't spend that type of money, but you never would have been at the table mm-hmm. if that were true. Yeah. It's that you don't see the value of my product at this price. Yeah. So instead of responding with, I can lower the price or, oh, our prices are hard and firm, sorry, mm-hmm. it's, well, why do, you th- uh, why do you think it's not worth that amount or what do you think it's worth then? and ask them and try to draw out what it is that they're missing from the product Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and say well is there anything that the product is missing that i don't that i'm not understanding pulling out specific value related objections instead of hitting that wall of a price objection because i I think it's it's not fabricated because i think anybody would fall into that where especially for like when i would do going back to real or doing apartment tours i'd be doing a tour and they're like yeah it's just too expensive for us i'm like but you went on the tour you knew how much it was before you came here. So there was a small part of you, at least, that thought this could be a reasonable price to pay. Mm-hmm. So why are, why have you changed your mind on that? Right. 
And the other concept is kind of standing your ground and kind of defending your own product as well, where you don't mm -hmm. want to push through and sell to just anybody, and you also want to keep standards very clear for yourself and your product. So like you said, like somebody might not want to buy from you just because you know, you're black, white, a woman, or, or however. And there was one issue that I kind of ran into where I received one of those age objections like in, like in real time, where I sat down and... I think that because we were like sophomores in college, like looked very young, he just kind of pushed us around, and I think people like to push around salespeople sometimes. And I think the the last, like, it was very clear that he was like, oh, they're inexperienced, they're young. You just tell about the questions he was asking, the things that he was saying, just being very kind of rude. And the last straw was like, we didn't have the zip code on our business card of the uh, of our office. It, it said, you know, twenty seven hundred or whatever it was, you know, Gainesville, Florida. And without the zip code. And he's like, what's the zip code? Like, how am I ever going to find you guys? And I'm like, it's 32608. Like, <laughs> do you have a problem with us? Like, and kind of, like I, I snapped a little bit, maybe more than what I should have. Like, do you have a problem with us? Like, what the, what the hell is your problem right now? And I feel like I kind of drew it out a little bit. It also put it like a certain level. Because people, I don't think, want to be mean. I think mm -hmm. that he kind of got like a little bit of a check to be like, oh, I'm actually kind of being a dick right now. Yeah, and then we, we so it worked for you. It did in yeah. this case. It might not always work, but we kind of it kind of like eased tensions a little bit. Where he said uh, he apologized. Well, like yeah, I'm sorry. Like you know, rough day or something. And then we had, we actually ended up selling to him. We had a relationship with him for a while, which mm -hmm. was good. So something you just said there, I think, is is notable. You snapped at him. Yeah, you yeah. lost control. So yeah, yeah. Uh, another key thing is understanding emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. You don't want to let who's ever objecting cause you to do that sure there's always going to be a time when it happens you know yeah, no yeah. it's perfect uh, but your emotional intelligence your ability to resist the urge to do that's going to be critical because you don't want the objection to also cause you fear mm -hmm. you know, someone objects you're like oh crap i'm gonna lose the sale oh no 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 yeah, yeah. you know you want to avoid that feeling of panic and so managing your emotions at the same time is going to be important so i brought off fear you were talking about anger but mm -hmm. either way even sadness can start creeping up Oh no! This person objects. I'm I'm bummed already. Yeah, and that can you can self sabotage a, a sale just by doing something like that. Mm -hmm. It brings in the happiness aspect as well. When you get kind of close to a sale, you might get excited and start to drop certain standards for mm -hmm. the product, which kind of like, which is kind of related to what I was trying to say before. Which don't make sure before you make a sale, don't give any false interpretations as to what the product is. Where if somebody's expecting product one way and you're like, oh, absolutely, like we can do that, we can do this, we can work with you in this way, but in reality, you can't provide certain elements of the service or that communication. There's something that you also have to set clear standards for out of the gate. Where we were an advertising company that had mm -hmm. to talk to people on a regular basis, we had to work closely with the client, but we can't talk every single day necessarily, mm -hmm. unless it's planned or like we schedule it. Like you can't call my like. You can't call my cell any time, any day, and expect me to answer every time. I'm going to try my best, but come up with what makes sense for your timeline and for your product, where, to make it clear, like, you won't treat us like that, or this is how you're going to pay. You're going to pay on this date and whatnot. Not in a rude way, but make sure you set the standards out of the gate. That way you don't run into even more problems down the line and get blinded by the excitement of making a sale right now. Uh, so I remembered what I wanted to ask you. Uh, in advertising sales, how mm -hmm. often did you get the price objection? Every single sale. And how did you handle it? At first, I was a lot more flexible on the price. We were a startup, and we were kind of hungry for business. 
And when we started taking on more clients and started having slimmer and slimmer margins and whatnot, there was a little bit of a reality check that needed to come in where I'm like, we're already really inexpensive. We're one of the least expensive advertising companies. We're probably the like, least expensive advertising company in town. We need to be firm. And some people wouldn't pay their invoice by mm -hmm. a certain time. And the person that worked above me, uh, I guess like the real adult in the room for this college, you know, uh, student-run advertising agency. He didn't really rear his head very much, but he would. Uh, he, hand, he handled the books. Mm -hmm. He's like, I, I don't. I don't want to lose Jim. You know, like like let him let him wait another week, and then eventually, you know, Jim owed us three thousand dollars, and I'm like, no, Jim is not our client anymore. If he doesn't pay, like mm. like we need to talk to him, and being a little bit more firm, where we're stopping your service. But we're not going to do this unless we have like an equal balance of respect. And having those conversations be kind of challenging because it's changing the status quo. But being able to sit down with your client, and if they can't respect that, then you do need to amicably end your relationship as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, firing clients is there's actual research. Someone actually sat down and did the research, and they found out that sometimes you can fire clients, especially someone who's not paying their bills. Yeah. Uh, but even someone who is paying their bills, if they're costing you too much money on the back end. To, yeah. to get serviced. Yeah, that was actually one of the articles uh, you had us read, or one of the posts. I think that my group read that one. Mm -hmm. And when we had to present like articles at the end of uh, one of our presentations, and yeah, I mean, it's just some clients just actually cost more than mm -hmm. you know more than the money you make on them. Yeah, and and one of the weird things that I found in business, and this this is related to the price objection too, is that the less someone wants to spend the more of a pain in the ass they're going to be. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when someone's hitting you with too many price objections and trying to get you down, you need to be like, you know, maybe this isn't going to be a good relationship yeah. for us. You have to operate efficiently. Yeah. And so when you take the time that you would be spending servicing this price-sensitive client and apply it to the price-insensitive clients who are more willing to spend money on you, especially if they're happy, yeah. you're satisfying customers and keeping them there and they're spending a lot of money and not abusing you. So yeah. don't be afraid to to not deal with it. And it's it's hard as a salesperson though to 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 turn away business. Yeah, yeah. And have your own objections. Even. Yeah. It's a, it's a relationship and a conversation. And just as often, not just as often as they're going to have an objection, but with a reasonable frequency, you need to have your own objections ready mm -hmm. where you have your own standards for how you need to be treated, your team needs to be treated, how payment works, how much it costs. Absolutely. And and so, and you mentioned that, and, and one of the thoughts that I had, uh, and I think it's good that we can, we can end on this, is when you're selling yourself, not prostitution, yeah. when you're selling yourself <laughs> and you're interviewing, one of the things I always tell people is if you're, go if you're going on an interview, then you want to make it a two-way sale. You want to make sure that you're not just selling yourself, but they're selling their company as well. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're dealing with sales, that you want to make sure you are uh, bringing in the right clientele because it can affect your brand. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. And that's one of the most important things to keep up that reputation as well. Absolutely. Can't be, can't say, uh, what is it? Uh, I think Warren Buffett. Or, mm. um, he's the one who runs Berkshire Hathaway, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, he said, "Look, we can, we can lose. I don't care how much money we lose. We can't lose a shred of reputation." Yeah, yeah. With that, we'll end it. Especially since one of our cameras died. <laughs> but uh, thank you for checking in with the Sales Mindset Podcast. We'll see you next time.